0: The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Today FM. Joining us today for the week trending, Mick Clifford, special correspondent with the Irish Examiner and Sarah McGuinness, assistant news editor with the Business Post. And we will get to the national controversy about fake tan in just a few moments. But let's start with something from Britain last weekend. Mick, I didn't see a minute of the coronation. had no interest in watching King Charles getting the crown put on his head and all the rest of it. But I'm interested in the crackdown that the police engaged in against protesters.
1: What happened? Yeah, Matt, uh, I think it was before the proceedings or whatever you want to call it got underway, uh, a number of six protesters, including the chief executive of a group called Republic, which are obviously anti monarchist, Graeme Smith, they were arrested and held for the following 16 hours. Now, a couple of things about it. First of all, they were arrested. They they, they had engaged with the Metropolitan Police in the days before, and they had let them know that it was going to be a peaceful protest. And by all accounts, those relations were very cordial, and there was no problem. In the normal runaway events, the police would be engaging with protesters or anybody organising something. And then, on the morning, along come the met or whomever, whichever police force it was, and arrested them, they suggested that they were going to lock, they were, to go, they were equipped with a lock-on, which is basically the device that they'd lock themselves onto some piece of street furniture that they wouldn't be able to be removed and they'd start shouting and roaring. I think there was very, very little evidence of that there apart from anything. And it's really worrying under the circumstances and particularly under the circumstances that they had engaged proactively with the police in running up to it and told them they'd be there for a peaceful protest.
0: The mere fact that peaceful protest was not to be tolerated is not something that you would expect of even a, a monarchical nation, let alone a democratic <laughs> one, Sarah.
2: No, it genuinely is shocking. And it, it's, it's also coming at a bad time, like because two laws were passed recently. So there was the Public Order Act, which was passed just days before the coronation, um, which basically has given the police power for this summer to kind of treat protests how they deem fit. So it's all a bit loosey goosey it seems. So like, they
0: can just declare that they believe a protest could be in some yeah, way damaging to public order and they can shut it down no matter yeah, what.
2: So it's given them a broader range of powers, I suppose. But the last year as well there was another act enabled which basically again leaves it up to the police officers as to whether they think a protest is raucous or not. Like it does as far as I can tell, it doesn't really specify kind of numbers or anything like that. So this news has come in in like a really kind of tense time around freedom of expression and stuff like that.
0: It must be very important as well for environmental campaigners who have perhaps upped the ante a little bit beyond what many people believe is acceptable in their protests.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's cast like a really... Weird light on the whole uh, on the whole thing now. I think as well because just just Stop Oil or w- whatever that protest name is, mm. they were there as well on the day of the coronation. But yeah, it really is just shocking and like. But um, I was reading something on CNN during the week and apparently the police made a lot of their arrests and then said people asked why are we being arrested and they said we'll find we'll figure that out. You know, like it seems that from the outset they just had their back and were kind of going in because they knew they could, thanks to this legislation, to arrest people.
0: Mick, we're far more tolerant in this country, aren't we, of protest, even when it discommodes us by blocking roads or tunnels or whatever.
1: Yeah, and rightly so. You know, there are limits, and we saw recently the idea of protesting outside of public figures' home is definitely off-limits, I think, as far as most people are concerned. But in general terms, as you say, even with disruption and the extent of disruption that is tolerated, just for some reason, it came recently to my mind, Matt. Recall back to the, the eco-warriors down in the... um the Glen, the road to Wicklow that they were going or the to. the Glen of the Downs. The Glen of the Downs. Remember, that went on for months and months, it discommoded an awful lot of people, and you know, these were environmentalists. Some people might suggest they were ahead of their time, and yet that was tolerated, and rightly so. And there are other similar, uh, similar ones that arise as well. We also the scenario, I'd say, God, it must be well over 10 more years ago now, where some Gardie intervened in a protest, and there was a Big fallout from it, and one was prosecuted, found not guilty. But I mean, there is tolerance there, and there should be tolerance there. But this kind of preemptive thing is, as in, they, they arrest people on the basis we believe you're going to do something. That's it, very, very. It's dodgy insane. Territory. But
2: even three of the three women were were arrested for passing out. Rape whistles, but it turns out, or rape alarms. It turns out they were just passing them out as part of like the organisation that they were a part of. So now the Met have had to kind of say, "Oh, sorry about that. We'll make sure not to do that in future." But it's just, it's just kind of embarrassing for well, them this as well. Listener
0: here says, "I'd read that the protesters intended to spook the horses in case safety was the issue." Was that true?
1: I don't think there was, I, I have seen absolutely no evidence of that whatsoever, and they've been well back from anywhere the horses were, one way or the other. And as well, as I said, you know, they had engaged with the police. They, they, they were there to inform them, we're going to protest, you know, we're letting you know, this is where we'll be. And therefore, the, the notion that they were going to try something spectacular, I don't think it even makes sense, irrespective of the fact they shouldn't have been arrested anyway.
0: OK, I'm going to move to a story which the Irish Times is the most read. Uh, it was under the headline, Irish Women's Obsession with Fake Tan is Problematic. And I'm going to read the stand first of a piece written by Adriana Acosta Cortez, who says, When a white Irish woman dons fake tan for a night out, she is wearing a costume that allows her to experience a fleeting taste of a more exotic identity with none of the obstacles people of colour face. Sarah.
2: Me sitting here in a fresh layer of cocoa brown. I was a bit taken aback when I saw that. It's a strong headline. It is a strong headline. Um, So, the woman who wrote this piece, she grew up in a very Catholic family in Ecuador. She moved, she came to Ireland in 2015, and I think was expecting. Ireland from the 1970s when she arrived because she was full of praise for how progressive we were and how fantastic a society and so accepting. And the marriage referendum happened, and she decided that this is a place she wanted to live, which is why this makes, which is why the pill of fig tan is such a difficult one for her to swallow. Now she she comes in strong. It is it, like it's balanced within reason the whole piece, but she does kind of that whole piece of um women kind of putting on an exotic costume and there she said about the fetishization of um melanin and I don't know. Like I Is think,
0: that why Irish women wear fake tan?
2: I think at its core, a fourteen year old putting on a layer of tan for a disco, they're not trying to actively partake in the fetishization of another race. But also I think that this cultural appropriation is a conversation worth having. Like, if you think about 10 years ago, I don't know, I have flashbacks to primary school and the first week we're all back and kids are coming back with their hair braided in cornrows. Now, that was cultural (laughs) appropriation because, you know, cornrows have such a strong place in black history and black women and their hair, that has a whole history in itself. But um, I don't think that intentionally we do. And she does acknowledge that in the piece, to be fair. But I also think that she makes this point about a double standard whereby if you're a white woman and you can be pale and you can be a little darker in skin tone and you can do both without any of the oppression whereas you're if you're kind of growing up as a black woman or a person of color and you can't go paler people try it's very dangerous and you're told that the paler you are the more privilege you'll have you would kind of be going like ah hear what's going on
0: okay Michael just very briefly to finish off on this I mean I would have thought that partly if people a lot of people go and get the sun and we've been warned not actually to take sun because of the risks of skin cancer so it's a safer option for people than actually burning their skin under the
1: sun that's very true matt um I have to say, no, as somebody who has
0: never tried the fake fake tan tan, yourself.
1: Unfortunately, like, yeah. But I mean, I can see why women wear it. I can see why it's an attractive feature. I can see why Ireland has the highest per capita use of it because we probably have the whitest skin tone in that respect. And we
0: don't get the sun as much as other countries.
1: Exactly. I think this is going very far altogether, to be honest. All right. Well,
0: look, we'll move on and we'll talk about a man who I think uses a bit of fake tan, Donald Trump. Um, I think that's fair to say, judging by the colour of him, that he has a liking for uh, various products. I don't know whether it's the same one that you use, (laughs) but he does. Let's hear a little bit of him on a a TV show he gave. He used to be a regular on Fox News. They seem to have moved away from him. But CNN, in its efforts to try and increase ratings, uh, put him up on a so-called town hall in front of a live audience this week. And here's just a little bit of what he had to say. Will you pardon the January 6th? rioters who were convicted of federal offenses? I am inclined to pardon many of them. I can't say for every single one, because a couple of them, probably they got out of control. But, you know, when you look at Antifa, what they've done to Portland, and if you look at Antifa, look at what they've done to Minneapolis, and so many other, so many other places. Look at what they did to Seattle. And BLM, BLM, many people were killed. These people, I'm not trying to justify anything. But you have two standards of justice in this country. And what they've done, and I I love that question, because what they've done to so many people is nothing, nothing. And then what they've done to these people, they've persecuted these people. And yeah, my, my answer is I am most likely, if I get in, I will most likely, I would say it will be a large portion of them. Should we be ignoring him for the next 12 months or so? Well, or we can
1: much, we, if he's going to be running for American president? Well, we have a choice to ignore him. I think, in fairness to the American media, they, they don't have a choice. He's, he's going to be running for American president. He has a very strong base of support. There are, unfortunately, in my opinion, a lot of people who look up to him in America... And CNN have, you could argue, an obligation to give him some form of a platform. Now, they didn't have to load the audience with Trump supporters who would engage in baiting and laughing and clapping to, to his whenever he, uh, he, he said something that he wanted a reaction to. But the idea of putting him up, you have to. And in fairness to the, the, the reporter who was there, she was well versed and she did her best to counter all the lies. But... I, I think CNN are being... Aspects of it could have certainly been done better. The concept of, of giving him that kind of platform at this stage in the electoral cycle, I think you could well argue there's a certain obligation to do so.
0: And coming within hours of him being found guilty in the civil case that had been taken against him by Eugene Jean Carroll, Sarah.
2: Oh, it was horrendous. But he also, like... Uh, He's just it was astounding, really, to watch him talk about that because it had literally just happened. The court told him you have to pay E. Jean Carroll five million dollars because you are liable for defaming her and sexually assaulting her. And he went on national TV and called her a whack job. It was insane. I, I don't know. Like I it, it was also his first appearance on CNN since 2016, which I feel is very telling. It clearly was an attempt at boosting ratings, but it was absolutely ridiculous. And that's not even the most derogatory thing he said. He, when asked if um, he thought that the whole Eugene Carroll case was going to affect his voting, a simple "no" was his answer. He was kind of like, "Nah, not really. I think I'll be fine."
1: And that's the, and that's probably the most depressing thing of all. That most commentators have suggested that that verdict will not impact no. on his. Chances of the Republican nomination may well do in, mm. in an electoral in, a, in, in the US election. But for the Republican nomination, the fact that that would not impact on it, that's really worrying scenario.
2: Oh, it's absolutely so worrying. But he thinks that the race is done. He like he's all but said it really. He's kind of launched his campaign against Biden. He's getting ready to cut him down and he's spreading this narrative that the race is won. So other people are starting to believe it.
1: Yeah, I th- I I think where the verdict will affect him is in 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 the the general election if he wins the Republican nomination. Mm-hmm. I, I think though, particularly the likes of suburban housewives and that that demographic that that was so important the last time and others like that. I think it will affect him there. I, th-
2: I think it will. Yeah. It, it probably will, and hopefully it will. But yeah. it, it's just insane. And he was coming out with a load of other stuff as well. He actually referred to January sixth as a beautiful day. Not what you two had in mind. I don't <laughs> think. <laughs> Um, He said that he could stop the war in Ukraine in one day if he wanted to. Um, And that's not the first time he's made that remark. I genuinely think he actually believes that he told Nigel Farage the same. I don't know. It's just insane. And I don't think anyone in 2020 thought that we'd be back in this scenario. But here we are. And it's even more dangerous this time around because the world is even more bonkers than it was in 2016. And it's only going to get worse. Sorry, that's very depressing. Happy Friday, everyone. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> Take a break. I mean, just
1: I, I, as, as a trajectory of how far America has come, uh, Gary Hart. Presidential candidate was that eighty eight. Yes. The big thing there was he was actually as a married man having an affair. Bang! End of his chances whatsoever. This man is now, albeit in a civil court, declared a rapist. And uh, no, sorry. no, he was he wasn't declared a rapist.
0: He was cleared sorry, excuse on me, that. sexual abuser. Declare he he debu- sexually that, assaulted that,
1: yeah. um, E Jean Carroll um, in in a civil court, albeit and yet people saying it won't affect his chances. We'll be back I mean, with more unreal. of the
0: week trending with Mick Clifford and Sarah McGuinness after this. Let's go back to the week trending with Sarah McGuinness and Mick Clifford. And I suppose this is a sensitive one talking about anyone becoming a parent, but what should we think of actor Robert De Niro becoming a father for the seventh time at the age of 79? Is this something to be celebrated or is this something to be regarded as inappropriate? Sarah?
2: I don't know I'd say inappropriate. It's kind of confusing really because he is almost 80. He's 80 in July. His eldest child is 51. Um it's kind of it's kind of bonkers. Um now I don't know. I feel like he's kind of handled it in a way that has kind of saved it from becoming this really tacky media storm you know like he it was all very candid how it was revealed he was correct he corrected someone in an interview they said oh you have six kids he said no I have seven kids um you know in a, promoting a movie called about my father fiddlingly enough and then it all kind of came out from there I I don't know at first I was kind of like ah, a healthy baby being born this is a good news story but it's also kind of sad when you think about it because by the time his child is 22 he's going to be in his one He'll if be. If
0: he survives, if that plan. he
2: survives, but I don't know. He seems to be. He seems to be going strong. He just had babies. So. Uh, yes, <laughs> there
0: is that. But at the same time, is it fair on a child to have a father yeah. who could be your grandfather? Could be your great grandfather.
2: Yeah. No. It is quite sad for the child because ultimately most of their life will be spent um, without him. And it's also quite sad. Now I was thinking about like. How is he going to do the night feeds? How is he going to pick up the baby? But he's Robert De Niro, so he has people to pay for the baby. <laughs> yeah, he can be saying. he can pay people to do that. But it is quite, I don't know, it is quite sad um, for them because I suppose, like, it will be ultimately a very different relationship with his child than he would have had with his, all of his previous children.
1: Yeah, I, there's something unsettling about the whole thing, I have to say, you know. Was it planned is another issue. but Apparently so. He yeah. said it was. He said it was planned. Yeah. Yeah, they, I, I, there's something a bit iffy about it, to be honest with you. especially a man who's already had six children, like the oldest being 51. Um, and it's just, just in, in terms of the child. Now, who knows what's his relationship with the mother and what her attitude to it is. And we know, to put it mildly, that people like Robert De Niro lead very unconventional lives. So there's that in it. But in terms of uh, the, the prospects of a child, two parents growing up in and, and parents doing what Christ knows, what the right thing for parents to do is, nobody knows anymore. I certainly don't anyway. (laughs) Doing doing as you're supposed to, um, you'd have to wonder about his prospects of that.
2: Well, like, I mean, his second eldest child is 11. So he already kind of, he had a child going into his twilight years anyway. So I don't know if he kind of just said, We'll see what happens. I don't really know. He did say it was planned. But yeah, there is something just kind of off of it. And I don't think anyone really knows what to say. So nobody's really saying anything.
0: Okay, I wasn't here yesterday, but I know there was a discussion uh, that Ian shared in relation to RT's latest Eurovision debacle. Mick, what do you think of the argument that the lacklustre showing was down to chronic underfunding? I mean, how much money do you need to
1: have a good song? Well, that's the point. It's not about the song anymore, is it? No, I I think it has
0: something to do with the song. Even the way you stage the song may be important, but surely the song has to be good rather than being a sort of an out-of-date anthem. Well, yeah, fair enough, but I mean... Something maybe Coldplay would have rejected five to ten years ago?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that doesn't necessarily mean so to do. <laughs> but of But I, I suppose the Eurovision is not about the song as such anymore. The song is an element of it, rather than being the main event, I would have thought. Now, I have to be perfectly honest and say I didn't spot the heat during the week. Was that the night of the... Um, it was the night of the football with Manchester City and Real ah, yeah, Madrid, which was a career. cracking that game. That was best game of the year, as as <laughs> so I mean, I was going to miss it. But um It's a lost cause, to be honest. It's it's turned into something completely different. And the suggestions here it's not fun enough. Well, what do you want? What do you want to put into it? And what's what's the outcome? What kind of outcome do you want? This is not going back to Johnny Logan. They were nice tunes, the ones that won it before. They were nice songs, but I, I, I don't think it's it's worth the candle to be honest which I wouldn't be throwing I in. I nobody. remember
0: I was at Mill Street 30 years ago when it was I heard you say you've been at two
1: or three of them. I've been at three yeah. Yeah i to watch yourself. do next one. Next,
2: yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know I think I would be kind of on the same wavelength as Mick like I don't care about it that much. But I think that we need to change if we're got like if we're going to change the funding of it, we need to change our attitude around it. Because I do think, as Elaine said yesterday, we do have a bit of entitlement around it. We kind of think like, oh, well, we hold the record, which we probably won't for much longer. We hold the record. So therefore we ought to do well, yada, yada, yada. And nobody cares about it for 364 days of the year or 363, however many days there are in the year. They don't care about it until the night of the big final. And then when like Ireland doesn't qualify, which we haven't since 2018. Yeah. Um, everyone kicks up a fuss. It kicks up a yeah, stick about on. it.
0: The, the, the thing about it has been the staging. When we had the National Song Contest earlier this year we had a discussion in studio about it and we played clips of some of the other songs which seemed more original and perhaps mm. would have stood out more. Could it be that quite simply with no disrespect to Wild Youth, and I'm sorry if I made little jibes about the song being a Coldplay reject but there was elements of Coldplay to it but that there were others more original tracks no, which I'm might have stood out irrespective of the staging if they'd been submitted. Absolutely, really hard to stand yeah. out, I think, in, 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 in that respect. Again. I
2: don't know, but even now, again, no no hate to Wild Youth, but even like their costuming and just kind of how it was choreographed, um, it, that felt off like kind of like a weird riff on Harry Styles, what Harry Styles is trying to do, but it just kind of ended up looking like a budget version of it. That's so mean, but it's kind of how I feel about it. Like, I, I think... There's no incentive for Irish musicians to take it seriously because we don't for most of the year. If you put someone out there like your Seamats or your Gemma Dunleavies, who actually kind of has something to say, something a bit different about them, who could kind of own that space and make uh, make Irish music seem a bit more distinctive than unfortunately wild youth have managed to do. I think that might be an avenue worth exploring if we are going to give it another go. But if we're not, we all just need to enjoy it for what it is and stop complaining.
1: And I think that what we should do is put forward dust and every year until the rest of the <laughs> Europe gets them. <laughs>
2: Okay, <laughs> Tell us,
0: Mick, what's this about a drag show in Carlo being cancelled because of complaints?
1: Yeah, this is, I suppose, the outer reaches of, I suppose, the culture wars to the extent that they have hit this country. They haven't
0: really. We largely ignore that. We largely stuff, ignore it, but we? there
1: are, I think, at the, at the fringes of society on both sides in this sort of thing, there are people... Um, but I think I, I think this is awful, the fact that it was postponed. You know, it is an art form, drag, we've seen it, it can be great. Um, Sorry, why was it postponed? It was postponed because there were some complaints that even though the, the event... Complaints was due, about what? From who? Well, I'll tell come to that now. We, we don't know this, who they were, but we know what they were at. Uh, they're, they're suggesting that it was beginning at 9pm and some complain, some people complained suggesting that there would still be children on the premises at 9pm. In other words... I I would suggest that the complaints originated with people who are very much anti-drag and, by extension, probably anti-transgender. And I would imagine that's what this looks like, that it's coming from that element. It should be pointed out, I think, in my opinion, that element is very small. But it's very vocal, and it should also be pointed out that it's one end of the the, the bones of whatever culture wars. But this why country. give in to them?
2: No, absolutely, it's a small minority making big noise and ultimately upsetting a large cohort of people, a large community. Um, it's I don't know. I they're not there's a lot of ambiguity about like why they were complaining about children being present at a strictly over 18s event the event was clearly marked as over 18s and in the end I think it was the organizers of the event who withdrew not the hotel the hotel have come out and said that we would have let it still go on I think the organizers just thought it wasn't worth their while but I don't know there's been a lot of discourse about the importation of American American politics here and kind of the anti-trans agenda going on in the US people are kind of taking inspiration from that here and translating it and I'd have to say to a large extent I would agree because for years and years and years there have been pantomimes across in every county in Ireland let alone every like town and there's like always a man dressed in women's clothes a man in Twinkie
0: face. or whatever the various com- yeah. every various said thing in the gaiety in the oh, Cork yeah, yeah. Opera there's house, ma- whatever there's
2: always and, and there's woman's and hundreds of
0: children in the audience. And no
2: one cares. And no one cares. Yes, there was a, the Americans were kicking up about drag acts reading to children. And now suddenly, you know, I don't know if it's people think that they can because they've seen it work overseas. So you're saying
0: the Irish Christmas pantomime has deliberately put drag artists <laughs> in front of children for generations.
2: I well yeah because drag is an art form and you should you should expose children to art form it's a beautiful art form it has a place in pantomime it has a place in the art world in its own right I would gladly go to a drag show um but like yeah I don't know I think that people have just seen that this tactic of kind of oh think of the children unloading their own fears and anxieties that are completely irrational onto children has worked and it's got gotten them their way. I, I, I
1: think what the cancellation reflects is that among the broad swathe of middle ground people who are not well taken by these culture wars on, on one side or the other, people are just afraid to have anything in terms of when anything arises, it's run away rather than anything else. And can you blame a lot of them?
0: Thank you very much, Michael Clifford, special correspondent with the Irish Examiner. Sarah McGuinness, assistant news editor with the Business Post. The Last Word with Matt Cooper, Today FM. It all happens here.